Praise the Lord. God is good. Amen. Oh, I love that first song that we did tonight. What's the name of it again? Uh, yeah, he has made me glad. Man, as we were singing that, you know, I, uh, I, you know, that's one of those songs that as you're singing it, you just, like, even if you came with something on you, man, singing a song like that can just get it off you, can't it? You know what I mean? It's just thinking about God's goodness. And, and man, we need to do that more, don't we? We need to think about God's goodness when we're going through trial, when we're going through hardship, when things are rising up against us, which there's plenty of those things. But what we need to do is we need to think about God's goodness. Amen. And we need to talk about God's goodness with one another. That's one of the reasons we come together is not just to, to share our trials, but to share our, our, our praises. Amen. That we praise God together, that we come together. And, and we might as well learn it here because we're going to do it forever there. So, you, you know, in, uh, in, the, in the sweet by and by and eternity future, glory to God. And I'm looking forward to that. I'm, I'm looking for the, forward to those days. But we can have a piece of that heaven here. And I believe that God wants us to. Amen. Do you agree with me? Yes. You think God loves you? Yes. Amen. You think God's good? Yes. Praise the Lord. Well, sometimes I think, you know, I think this to myself. It's not just I'm looking at other Christians and thinking, man, you just, you, you just don't show it enough. No, I think about it myself all the time. I'm like, you know, sometimes you just don't get it, Jeff. You, you're not you, Jeff, me, Jeff. Amen. I'm just like, I, I'm talking to myself. I just, I just don't get it. You know, it's like God has done all this stuff for me. What am I so worried about? He's done all these things. He's brought me this far. I mean, I didn't ever think I'd make 47, and here I am pushing 48. Amen? And, and, and 50 ain't far away from that. And, and I can't even hardly believe that I'm saying that, even as I say it. But that's the place that we're at. And God is just so good. He's never left us, never forsaken us. Some of the hardest times in our lives we've gone through in the recent years. But I'm telling you, God's grace has proven faithful all the way through every bit of it. And, and uh, I'm just so, so thankful for that. Amen? But, you know, God's grace uh, in, in, in this, this whole thing that we do as Christians, it, it operates through our understanding of God. Uh, the, the amount that we understand God the amount, it can, it can help determine the amount we receive from God. And it's not because God isn't generally good. God is generally good and he does things. You know, the Bible says that he causes it to rain on the just and the unjust. And so we know that God is, you know, uh, blessing people with the ability to be fruitful and to multiply in various areas of their life. He's, he's given mankind the ability to think and think accurately, think rightly, to think creatively. All these wonderful things that we, we see in the world. And so we know God's goodness is in the world, but God's goodness is also in us. And it's for us, and it's for us to partake of. But partaking of it, there, there's kind of, uh, there's an understanding. You know, it's not like, uh, not, not all things are freebies, right? You know, uh, they, and, and the, uh, I, I guess the way we can look at the earth and the, and the abilities we have is like free samples. That's the thing that comes to me. Now, I don't know about you. I don't go grocery shopping very often, but when I do, I like it when there's free samples. Yep. And I almost don't care what the free sample is as long as it's edible. I just like getting something free. And I've even, I've even instructed my wife. You know, my wife doesn't eat meat. Well, we're trying to help her a lot with that, but she, she's, pretty, she's pretty determined to not eat it, and so that's her thing, and that's, that's okay. And, 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 there's, and she's actually opened my heart to see, the, uh, my mind to see there's a lot of good-tasting food that isn't meat. Yeah. Now, it's not much found in the vegetable kingdom, but there is good food out there that's not meat, amen? Uh, yeah, even like those plant-based burgers and stuff like that, they're probably terrible for you, but every once in a while, it's, it tastes good to have one, right? But free samples, I told my wife that when we go to the store, never turn down a free sample, 
example. Even if it's something you won't eat, just get, get it and then give it to me as we walk away because I'll eat two of them, amen? But what is the thing about free samples? They're just that, they're samples, right? It's not the whole thing. And why do they give out free samples? Because they think that if you, they give you a free sample of something that you like, you might just go and buy that. And sometimes that actually works, doesn't it? You know, um, I don't know how many times my wife and I have been to, we like going to those olive, olive oil places and in, in, in balsamic vinegar places, you know, they have, all, they have just olive oils, right? And they let you, and we love olive oil, and so they'll let you sample it. And I don't think we've ever left one with just having sampled. I think we've always bought something, yeah. amen? Uh, and a lot of times probably paid too much for it even. But, but uh, the, the, the goodness is, you know, the, the taste is good. The Bible says to taste and see that the Lord is good. And that's a wonderful thing to taste and see that God is good. But how many know it's better when you have the full bottle? Do you know what I mean? And I'm not talking about like an alcoholic bottle or something like that. I'm not getting weird on you. But I'm talking about like the full bottle of, you know, the, the, actually olive oil is a really good thing. And maybe I should have started there because oil is used throughout the Bible to, to symbolize the anointing of God and things like that, you know. And so we know that the oil is a good thing. In fact, they, we're called to use oil in different, different, different ways that way. And, and, and that's, a, that's a wonderful thing. But, uh, you know, the whole bottle of oil is so much better than just a sample and that's what it is if we live on this earth we're by default we can experience God's goodness now maybe you've had a lot of trial in your life you say well I don't know if I've experienced much of God's goodness well the very fact that you breathe is God's goodness the fact that you can feel the sun when it's warm and you have one of those beautiful days and you can just go out there, that's God's goodness. And, and that's, those are samples of who he is. That's sampling of what he fully wants for us. Now, not all those things we're going to, not all of God's goodness we're going to experience here. I'm not trying to make that claim. But, but, but we, have to, we, have to, uh, we have to buy into it, so to speak. We have to, we, we have to see the value in it. You know, my wife and I would never uh, buy one of those samples uh, when we were in the store if it wasn't something we saw value in. Sure. And, and a lot of times, you know, olive oil can be, especially in the olive oil store, it can be a little bit more expensive. And, uh, but every time we've bought something, and sometimes it was small because that's all we could afford, but we, we bought into it because we knew that it was good. And so the same thing is with God. When, when we come to God, this, this idea of coming to God. Now there's, you know, people that just come in and they, you know, for the first time or whatever, and they, they don't know good. They don't know about God's goodness and stuff. Or, or your coworkers that, 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 that haven't gone to church and you go there and you talk to them, you know, they're not going to know everything, so you can't expect them. But as Christians, we should have an understanding of God's goodness, shouldn't we? We should understand what God's goodness is about. God's goodness is not about just what we have currently right now, but God's goodness is all about the promises. It's all about what, what, what God has for us. It's, it's all the things that he's already done for us and the things that he's promised he'll do in the future. And if, we can't, if that can't be a rest for Christians, then there's nothing that's going to cause you to rest. If that can't be something that stirs you or helps you, there's nothing that's going to be able to help you. Now, there's moments. We're all entitled to moments. God even gives us, he lets us have our moments. Actually, the book, of Psalm is, uh, the book of the Psalms is full of moments, right? They're not all good moments, are they? But they're full of moments. If you read Ecclesiastes, you'll see lots of mo uh, moments. In fact, today, there's, uh, this morning, I was, I, was, I was driving around thinking uh, uh, about some stuff. And uh, I, I, had, I told my wife later on that I had been Ecclesiastes. 
right? I made it a verb. I, I said I've been Ecclesiastes. I got real melancholy, and I, and I was thinking about, you know, the, the one phrase in Ecclesiastes that always comes up to me, vanity of vanities, all is vanity. And, of course, you know, that, that's not just something that you meditate on just there, but, but the, you know, the thought about life and what we're doing, and, and, and that's what I was thinking about, you know, and just getting into that, that place. And so I, I have been Ecclesiastes. But, but in all of that, God's goodness shines through. God's goodness is there. God God's goodness is what drives us to continue. Amen? Amen? Praise the Lord. And so with that, I guess I can get into tonight's message because uh, the, tonight's message is, in a sense, about receiving from God and ideas of how we do. Amen? And tonight's message is called, What Do You Hear? Now, originally I was going to call this, Do You Hear What I Hear? But I thought, well, that sounds too prideful, right? Because it's like, oh, well, I hear all the stuff from God, and are you hearing it too, you know? And so that's why I strayed away from it. But I do like catchy titles, so maybe we could subtitle this, Do You Hear What I Hear? And you could say it too, amen, so it doesn't just have to be about me. We could say it together, amen? But uh, what, what do you hear? And this is all about when we, when we come together, when we, when we come under this guise, and coming together doesn't necessarily have to be at a church, but it's coming together under the, the blanket of wanting to hear about God. Yeah. Amen? Yeah. Praise the Lord. And this, this saying came to me, this little saying, you know, the Lord speaks to me this way, I believe, and, and, and it really helps me, and I, of course I share them when I minister, so I like to do that. But this, this, this little, little saying came to me, the leading of God was not meant to be a spiritual Rorschach test. Now does anyone know what a Rorschach test is? Yeah. I'm sure at least some of us do. I know Joel does. Uh, I'm sure he knows what a Rorschach test is. You know, Rorschach test is commonly also called the inkblot test. And I actually, I knew it was called Rorschach, but I didn't know how to spell it. So I just kind of tried it. And I'm just going to tell you if, you, if you, if you put the microphone on for Google to listen to you and you say Rorschach, it probably is not going to spell Rorschach. Amen? But uh, it's going to spell something else. And I can't even remember what it spelled, but that doesn't matter. But uh, uh, the inkblot test. And what is the inkblot test? There are these tests, uh, something to do with psychology, but the point is, is that it's a, it's a non-distinctive uh, picture or image, uh, just like an inkblot, right? Like spilled ink or something like that. And the idea is, is, is to uh, evaluate a person's mental stability or capacity or something like that uh, according to what they see in it. And this is the thing that they, I think is pretty common, and, and I'm, I'm glad uh, uh, Joel isn't staring at me right now because that, then I might feel like a complete fool in this because I don't know if I'm getting this completely right. But I know, at least know that this is true from watching Ghostbusters. And so if you've ever watched Ghostbusters, you can at least follow along with me, amen? But, uh, but the, it, it, you know, the, it, there's no right or wrong answer. It's just what do you see? That's the point of it. And that's how I grew up knowing about these things. But the leading of God was not meant to be like one of those. The leading of God is not meant to be, well, what do you think it is today? And what do you want it to be? And, and, and how do you see it, you know? Now, I'm not saying that God won't individualize his plan for us and that he won't speak to us in an individual way. I'm not saying that at all. But there are common ways that God speaks to us. And the first and foremost way he speaks to us is through the truth of his word. And the, the, the reason that we come together in a church setting is to hear, hopefully, 
the truth of the word, to have the truth ministered to us in a way that helps us with our lives so that we can walk out uh, that plan that God has for us. And as we learn about God's truth, what happens is, is we can start hearing his voice more accurately and more clearly. In fact, one of the things I love about, I don't know all scripture. I haven't memorized all scripture. In fact, even if I try to quote a scripture quite often, I get it wrong, right? And that's how good I am at that. But I know, I, I know, I, I know there's a flow in scripture and there's a flow with God. And, and, and there's things that as you get into, start learning about God, there's things that you can judge and uh, they're, 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 you get, kind of get an ability to be able to judge things. You know, as an adult, I've learned that, you know, there's a lot of things I thought I knew as a kid, but as I was an adult, I learned that it didn't work that way. And then even as I grew a little bit older, I learned a little bit of wisdom, and I, I, I start to understand some things of how life works. And, you know, one of the things that I find myself doing now in my late 40s is, is I, I, I think about how things work all the time. I think about how people work and, and how uh, processes work. I think about how religion works. And I was talking to my wife uh, this afternoon and I said, and I'm going to get to some scripture, I promise you. But I was talking to my wife this afternoon and I said, one of the things I find as I started realizing even today about myself, you know, a few years ago, I really got into genealogy and, 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 and wanting to know my ancestry, right? And I mean, I would get obsessed with it. There was times I'd stay up to three or four o'clock in the morning just tracing uh, lineages and, and, and uh, my family lineage. And some of it I traced back to, you know, the hundreds, the early hundreds even. So even now, I don't know if it's accurate, but that's how far I traced it amen and so uh, I, I said that at any rate that this is how far back we could go and and I saw some things I learned things about people through doing this because I saw patterns I saw name changes as, as as the names changed I realized that's because their locations changed and that affected them and that's how it affected other things and and I started realizing this and then when I really 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 started diving in deep into scriptural things like wanting to know more than just the basic stuff that I knew but really digging in I started seeing that there's a similar kind of vein there and then and then with religion you know regardless of what uh, denomination you are or religion you are there's a lineage to those things and I found myself just overly interested in tracing these things and I realized it's something on the inside of me doing this it's something that calls to me amen but what I realized through all this is that you can learn things you know, there's, there's different kinds of, I'm not going to use any. See, when I was growing up, we could make fun of uh, different people for uh, their, na their, uh, their nationality. You know, what? we could do that and it was okay. Or at least we dealt with it, even if it wasn't okay. But everybody made fun of everybody, you know what I mean? Uh, you know, I grew up in Jamestown and the, the two main groups in Jamestown were the Swedes and the Italians. Now, there's lots of other people, but those were the two main groups that settled it. And there was always a rival, rivalry there. And so that was always in the air, you know what I mean? And, and so you could pick at things. But the thing is, is that what people pick on typically is stereotypes. And stereotypes are stereotypes for a reason, right? Now, I am getting somewhere with this. I know I've gotten way far off, it seems, but I am going somewhere with this. We'll get there one way or the other. If we don't today, we'll at least get there next week, maybe. And so uh, there's stereotypes, and stereotypes are a stereotype for a reason, right? That you can know things. And as you learn, you can learn quirks and different things about that. Well, the same thing is with God. As we grow to hear from God, as we learn about uh, hearing from God accurately, then we can learn uh, we can learn when someone's speaking to us and it's not God. 
You can learn when someone's speaking to you and there's like something, uh, there's a wrong spirit about that. You can learn it, not to be judgmental, but to look at it and say, I don't need to hear this. In fact, I'm going to get into this a little bit, but I had some, knock, I had some knockers at my door today. Oh, yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. And the first thing I said to them, which didn't, didn't uh, make them run, I said, I'm a pastor. And, uh, but we'll get into that more in a minute. But uh, 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 praise God, because uh, it's really interesting how this all ties in. But I didn't, I mean, this message came earlier in the week, so it wasn't even tied to them or anything. But, but what, what, the point that I'm getting to is this, is hearing from God is important. But equally important, for, hearing from God to hearing from God is how to hear from God. And how we hear absolutely matters, so much so that Jesus dealt with it. So let's get to our first scripture, Mark 4, 9. Now, what I was saying is that God didn't mean things to just be a matter of whatever everybody feels. And that's a danger that I see Christians often get into. They do things based on what they feel, calling it the leading of God. And many times, many, many times, I can tell you verifiably it's not the leading of God. And you might say, well, how can you say that? Well, it's because I, I know some things about the leading of God. And I'm not saying I know everything, but just because I don't know everything doesn't mean I can't know something isn't God. Now, I can't tell you maybe every single thing that isn't God, but when I know something isn't God, I can know it. And so can you. This isn't something that's difficult. This isn't something that's hard. But it is something that, 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 that requires us to put down something within us. And the first thing is, is our pride. And now you might sit there and think, well, I don't have any pride. And I like Pastor Michael always said it this way. He says, if you think that you don't have pride, you stink, you reek of it. You know, and, and that's the truth. We all deal with pride. Pride is a human condition that we all deal with. Pride is the reason that the devil fell. And so I believe that's the, probably the reason that it's the number one attack against humanity. Why does God spend so much time telling us to, to humble ourselves? Humility. Jesus came as a suffering servant that was humbling, right? That was humbling himself. He didn't come as a conqueror. He came as a servant. And he allowed himself to be conquered. Amen. This is the truth about Jesus, right? He did this. This is how he came to show us an example. Humility is big with God. Pride keeps us from it. And so uh, we see here Mark 4, 9, if you found it. It says, and he was saying, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. Now, I love this saying. The saying is many times in Scripture, always out of the mouth of Jesus. I think every time it's out of the mouth of Jesus. But at least most of the time it is. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. And th th this is a, a very important statement, so much so that it's repeated by our Lord many times. In fact, it even comes and shows up in the, in the book of Revelation, yeah. right? The, the, the book that tells us all about the end times and the stuff and all, all that God's going to do and bring it all back together and wrap it all up and all those wonderful things, right? And, and, and in that, he says several times, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. There he says what the Spirit says to the churches. But, but you know, I, I believe it's the same context. It's the same idea. But notice that this is a direction to hear. Now, all of you are sitting here right now and you're hearing me. Just because you're sitting here doesn't mean you've taken direction to hear. 
See, a hearing, what Jesus is talking about, is a purposeful hearing. To hear, to process, to think, to take this upon themselves. I love what this one commentary says. It said, Jesus often explained things afterwards in private to his disciples. It would have been of no use explaining the parable's meaning to those who had not even taken the first step of thinking over the illustration. The twelve showed that they were ready for the explanation by asking for it. That is why Jesus warned his listeners to listen thoughtfully. And that's what uh, uh, having ears to hear is talking about. Think about what I'm saying to you thoughtfully. Now, why do I bring this all up? Because the truth of the matter is, is this is what we're called to do. When you come to church, when you hear the word, when you go anywhere in here, if you don't care if you turn on the radio, you need to have ears to hear. When people speak to you, you need to have ears to hear. There's a reason that the Bible directs us to be slow to anger, slow to speak, right? And quick to listen. Why does it tell us to do that? To have ears to hear, listen process understand what's being said before you make a decision about it now we're in a very uh turbulent time aren't we we're in a time where people don't like to listen too much they like to just spread their opinion and i'll give you the honest to god truth in many conversations i do that i can have a tendency to over talk people and i'm trying to work at that and to be better but but that's 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 a truth that we can all deal with right but what do we process what is really being said and why does this matter? Because when we bring this into the, the, the context of, uh, of a church, it's incredibly important for us to have ears to, ears to hear in the local church. And this for many reasons. Number one, one of the reasons we come here, somebody preach is not because we, we just like what they're preaching. It's because we want to hear something that God is delivering through that minister. Now, if you sit in church for any other reason than that, it's wrong. If you're sitting to listen to a sermon for any other reason for that, than that, then it's wrong. If you're just sitting there to like tear it down or to figure out, you know, uh, then it's wrong. If you're sitting there just wanting to hear what you want to hear, and so you're picked your church because it's, if they tell you the things that you want to hear, that's also wrong. If you have something, if the pulpit doesn't challenge you, and, uh, or, or you pick a place to, to hear from a pulpit, because it doesn't challenge you, that's also wrong. Amen? Amen? The question we need to ask ourselves is this. Are we carriers of truth? Yeah. You know, over there in Jude 1, or there's only one chapter of Jude, Jude, uh, Jude it talks about uh, contending once for the faith, that was, or contending for the faith that was once delivered to the saints. Mm -hmm. Contending for the truth. Yeah. I love that, you know, contending, the idea of contending, whenever I think of contending, I think of contender, which is also, you know, in boxing. Of course, I didn't grow up too much watching boxing, although we were quite enamored with, with Mike Tyson. But, uh, you know, I grew up in wrest watching wrestling. I was a wrestling generation, child of the 80s, WWF, that's what we did. Yes, it was fake. It didn't matter. We liked watching it. Amen? But what were they? They were contenders. They were two people contending, uh, vying for the same title or the same, uh, the same thing. They wanted to be the overcomer, the one that come out on top. And the same thing is, is when we approach the word. Why do we approach the word? Why do we go to church? Do we go out and go to church out of tradition? Or do we go because we, we know that God is going to feed us? You know, there's, there, and there's, there's a, an interesting thing is that God uses vessels that are imperfect to do that feeding. 
uh, he, uses, he uses vessels that aren't always going to get it right, that aren't always going to know. Sometimes they're going to get caught up in their own pride or their own understanding. And, and that's something that I contend with all the time, I can tell you. But that doesn't change the fact that God has called us to come together to hear what he wants to say. Now, hopefully, the one that's speaking or preaching is the one who is, is also seeking God. And you should also seek God on your own. But the necessity of us having that is a necessity because Jesus gave it to us. And if he, would, if he didn't give it to us, it, you know, and this is the thing that I learned as a pastor. You know, in the book of Jeremiah, it tells us that he will give us shepherds or pastors after his own heart. And what I really love about that is because being a pastor now 10 years... I've learned one thing is, I've learned a little bit about the heart of God. There's many times when I look at people or situations, not through my own eyes, you can ask my wife, there's plenty of times where I would have made another decision. But in my heart, it's, I can't do that because God has given me his heart. And there's something about that, there's a spiritual transaction that, that, that transcends all, you know, all, all, it transcends time. It's an amazing thing, amazing gift that God has given us. And what I mean by that is not to sit here and say that, oh, I'm so gifted and so you should be so thankful. That's not what I'm talking about. Because it doesn't matter where God has called you, he's called you somewhere and he's gifted someone who didn't deserve the gifting and was not able to carry the gifting even to, in order to feed them. Now that doesn't mean that every person who operates in the office of pastor or sits in that, that place or whatever you want to say is actually good. I'm not saying that, making that claim either. But that's all the more important, why it's all the more important for us to know where God has called us to be. But when God has called us to be somewhere, we have to understand that he's going to speak to us from that place as well. Again, he will speak to you in your own life, but there's a reason for the preaching. If, you, if there wasn't a reason for the preaching, we wouldn't need it. If there, was a reason for, if there wasn't a reason for that instruction, we wouldn't need it. And we need to learn how to submit ourselves. You know, I told my wife recently, I'm going to try to stop using that word maybe, because the word submit has been so corrupted that it be, it's become something that isn't, it, it just isn't, it doesn't taste good in anyone's mouth. But really what we need to do is we need to, to learn, learn to be able to, uh, to, 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 put our, to, to crucify our flesh, to put ourselves down our desires down, our, our personalities down in order to receive what God wants to deliver to us. Because what I found as a pastor is if we don't do that, we're going to be scattered just like we didn't have one. We're going to have people over here doing something, people over here doing something, everybody running around doing their own thing, but none of it's producing the will and the desire of God. You may be doing good things, but good things is not what we want to do. I want to do the will of God. The will of God is good, and there's plenty of good things that aren't in the will of God. I know that can sound weird, but there is. Because what God's will is for you specifically, or for a group specifically, or for an area specifically matters. And I've learned this. You know, I haven't been able, in Corey and Mayville, I haven't been able to preach the same message really twice. Not to fully anyways. One time I think I did uh, a variation of, or two times maybe I did a variation, but it was totally different. Because what I've learned is that the people in Corey, God has something different to say to them. Yeah. And so my life is built around this idea of seeking God. But what are we hearing when we sit there? And one of the frustration, frustrations that can come to us is when you minister to people, and they don't hear you. 
And you know because when they speak to you, either after or some other time, and you're like, I just talked about this. You missed what I was saying. And, and, and if we're not careful, our desire can drive us into areas that are out of the will of God. Now, what I'm saying to you is not that I have all the truth. I don't. And what I'm saying, not, I'm not saying to you that, that, that you have to just listen to me, but listen for what God is trying to say in our midst. And if you don't believe that God is saying anything in our midst, then you're probably not in the right place. This is an important thing. We have to decide that. Nobody can tell you where you got to be. Nobody should tell you where you got to be. That should be between you and the Lord. Well, maybe a spouse, right? Maybe your spouse knows better. I don't know. I'm just saying maybe they do. I don't know. Unless they're trying to get you to go somewhere else and they don't know it. No, I'm just kidding. But, but you, you, you understand what I'm saying? We have to determine, but we have to also understand that there has to be this letting go of us when we hear, not because of the pastor or what the pastor's saying, but because of what God is trying to get over to us. What is God saying in our midst? See, if we are so full of our will, and we are, I'm just going to tell you, if you're in a church in the United States of America, you are full of your will. Because that is exactly what we've been taught. That's exactly what's been perpetuated for, for decades, maybe, uh, maybe uh, what do you, what do you, centuries, yes, maybe centuries. But it's been, you know, especially in the, you know, in the, the big boom that we've had in the last century, uh, you, you know, this, this, this nation is just all about consumption, what we can consume, what we can have. And of course, I've talked about that before. I'm not trying to reteach that or talk about that. But we have to be aware of this. And we have to be aware that it fundamentally affects us. Is that a right phrasing? It fundamentally affects us. When I was in Kenya, one of the things I knew, and, and this is a frustration, because we still work with these wonderful people. But it, it, there's a frustration because being an outsider coming in, I can see some things that are problems, real problems, that are hindering them from the fullness of what God wants them to get into. Yeah. And at the same time, it's, I got to break through that culture barrier if I'm going to help them. Yeah. But that's a hard barrier to break, break through. And we have a cultural barrier that says... That, 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 that makes, internalizes everything and makes it all about me and, and about my desires and my wants and, and how God's leading me. It's not about, because if it's just God leading you, you're not being led by God. Because God isn't just leading you. He'll lead you to be part of something to help in the leading of others. And the same thing with them. Each one of us is led into something to take us into something more. But are we hearing what's being said? Are we hearing what's, what, what the Lord is saying? What, what he's bringing out to us? Amen? Are we carriers of the truth? And how do we be carriers of the truth? First, we have to desire the truth at all costs. I don't care what the truth is as long as I get the truth. It's the heart is what I'm talking about. But the reality is this, brothers and sisters... When I see myself in the mirror, the spiritual mirror, I find, I, I find another, another thing working in my members. I find another thing pulling against me. I find that desire rises up and says, you want this, you want that, you want this, you want that. You want to see people do this. Well, why? Because I want to. 
And so, he, he, so like, there's no one who's exempt from this, is what I'm saying to you. So though I'm preaching at you, I might as well be preaching at myself because I am. The, in, in this process that we have to do, the first step in the truth is realizing that that is a problem. How are we going to work against this? How are we going to, you, you know, and the thing is, is that what I've found is this. There's too many things that uh, are just not black and white. that are gray areas. Things that work here don't work here. Things that are good here aren't good there. You know, uh, the Bible talks about, uh, you, you know, and I think in Romans 14, it talks about uh, eating. And it says, uh, you know, whoever eats not from faith is sin. And, and it's talking about, not and in that set of scriptures, it's also talking about not judging somebody according to what they eat or drink. Because who are you to judge another servant, right? And that's really what it's talking about. You can't say something is right or wrong for somebody else specifically if it's outside the, the bounds of what's labeled right and wrong. You know what I mean? Like, obviously, there's things that are sinful in Scripture. Those are wrong. Yeah. And there's things that are not sinful in Scripture, and those are right. But beyond that, there's, there's right and wrong individually as well. And the Bible tells us not to judge, those, judge that for each other because we can't. And so there's a truth to that. And we have to, we, we, we do have to, I forgot I was, why I was going that way, but we need to desire the truth. What is God saying to us right now? Because that's the truth. Oh, I know where I was going with that. Because so often we see things, we're like, this, this is not right. And I'm not talking about something that is, uh, you know, necessarily scripturally wrong. But maybe it's a way of operating. Maybe it's a way of doing something. Maybe it's an oddity. Or maybe it's the way God, you know, wants to flow or something like that. And if we, can, if we can get too tripped up in our own, because we have our own set of beliefs, our own mindset, the things that we want to see, the things that we claim are truth. You understand the Bible is truth, but there's certain things in the Bible that are left in the gray. And it's left in the gray on purpose, because God wants us to learn. But if we're so set in our ways, we can miss those things. Amen? Praise the Lord. But are we carriers of truth? Do we desire truth? Now, the next set of scriptures we're going to go to, we might as well just turn there, 2 Timothy 4, verse 3 and 4. And what's interesting about these scriptures is, I had all the other scriptures together, I had a message all together, and just as I, I do on, on Saturday mornings, if I have a message, to, uh, or Saturday mornings and afternoons, if I have a message already, I still go over it and just you know, remind myself, see if there's anything else God wants to say, see if he wants to change it, whatever, you know, I, I'm just open to that. Because sometimes I found, I, you know, I put together messages I realized were just for me, it wasn't for someone else. So, um, But 2 Timothy 4, I was, this is what's interesting, and I want you to know this. So these scriptures weren't in the original sermon. Today as I was sitting down, this afternoon as I was sitting down to look at the, ser the, the, the sermon, these scriptures came to me. And so I started going to them. I started opening, I started just turning to them, right? And at that very instant, ding dong. Yeah. Like, who's ringing my doorbell? Nobody rings my doorbell on Saturday afternoon. And I got up and I looked out the front window and I said, oh, there's two women out there. I bet I know what it is. I bet you they're not selling cookies. They're too old to be Girl Scouts. <laughs> Amen? <clears throat> and it was interesting to me that these are the scriptures. But let's, let's go ahead and read these scriptures first. 
It says, For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but wanting to have their ears tickled, they will accumulate for themselves teachers in accordance to their own desires. And will turn away their ears from the truth and will turn aside to myths. Now, you don't need me to probably tell you much to, to realize that the Jehovah's Witness are not Christian, truly Christian. It's not a Christian organization. And in fact, this woman at our door, and I wasn't prepared for them, so I didn't have a real big argument or anything like that. I was just being sweet because, you know, well, I'm not going to get into that right now, but I, I believe it's good to be good to people, even people you don't agree with, even people that, you know, are, are completely off. Now, that doesn't mean that you just give them free course into your life, but, you know, I believe in being sweet. We can be nice. And so I wasn't prepared with my list, and I've studied things out before, but, you know, when you're not prepared, you're not prepared. And so I, I came to the door, and she said, hey, I'd like to, you know, like to talk to you about, like, this or that or whatever. And, of course, they didn't say they're Jehovah's Witness because they know not to do that now because nobody likes that. And, uh, uh, you know, everybody will kick them off their porch and whatever. But I knew exactly what they were. I knew they weren't Mormons because they didn't have the tag that said elder, and they weren't young guys, you know. So I knew that, you know, it was something else. And, 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 and she says, you know, she starts talking. I said, yeah, I was like, actually, I'm a pastor. And, and, and she's like, oh, where do you pastor? And they were being real nice, you know, all this stuff and, and laying and I'm thinking, oh, that's fine. You know, they're being nice people. I like people being nice. And, and she said, I'd like to read to you a scripture. And I was like, okay. And she opens her Bible and she reads a scripture. And I can't remember, other than it was in Colossians, I didn't uh, just remember exactly what it was. But instantly I knew exactly what it was. I was like, ah, oh, that's a New World Translation. Verifiably, this is a Jehovah's Witness standing before me. They never mentioned it, but I knew what it was just because I knew the sound. I knew the, the lingo, so to speak, right? And when I heard it, that's exactly what I knew. I, I knew exactly what it was. And so that, that, that was basically all they wanted to do was read the scripture and they have a good day. And a lady asked me if it was okay if she opened her trunk in my driveway and put on her boots. And I said, that was fine too, you know. And uh, I went back to doing what I was doing, but I, I, I picked up the scripture again and it dawned on me. The very scripture that the heart that God was dealing with me in in that moment was scriptures that describe what goes on, what's going on with them. And though I'm not preaching about them today, I just think it's interesting how God, I mean, at the very second that I started turning to it, and I was turning to it for this message. But the reason that this made it in the message is because, and all of this is because the reason they are what they are is because they do what many Christians do. They wait to hear what they want to hear, or they will only hear what they want to hear. They won't hear the truth. And as a result, they become deceived. And I have seen Christian after Christian after Christian become deceived, maybe not to the point of, of, of walking away from the Lord completely or anything like that, but to the place where they're ineffective in life because they just won't hear the truth. This can be a frustration as a pastor. As I watch people, as I talk to people, as I counsel people, I give them the truth. And then I go, did you do this? And they didn't do that. And I'm like, well, what did you think I said? Well, I thought that I should do something else. See, you didn't want the truth. You wanted your truth or what you wanted. You didn't want to be corrected. And that's an issue. Because there is, hopefully, if somebody stands, if so, listen, if I haven't proven myself faithful as a man of God in your life, then throw out everything I say. 
go somewhere else. Be, find somewhere where you can find one. But if I've proven myself, that means something or should mean something to every one of us. And I find too often, you know, listen, you know, in, in Mayville, I just preached a series of messages about, uh, you, you know, about uh, 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 manipulation and spiritual manipulation and, and, and not being uh, deceived by ministers and stuff like that. And I did that on purpose because I want my people to be prepared to hear things right. And when they, when they hear things that are wrong, to know that they, they don't have to get, get upset because their spirit's telling them there's something wrong in it. But the other side of doing that is people don't like to be middle-of-the-road people. People like to go from one ditch to the other. And then what they do is they start rejecting you now. And they start thinking, well, well, I don't, everything I feel has got to be right. And so, you know, they might not say it that way, but that's exactly what's happening. And so people are running around doing their own thing, and they're forgetting the very thing that God has put in their life to be a blessing to them. Because the same thing that God has put in your life to be a blessing to you, he's put in my life to be a blessing to me. And I'm not, my, my purpose in preaching this is not to lift, I actually had didn't even think I was going to be talking about anything pastoral in any of this. But as I'm here, I realize the truth. And sometimes God allows me to not know all that he's going to allow me to preach because I wouldn't preach it. Because the truth of the matter is that I would have never stood up here if I, didn't, if, if I knew I was going to be preaching about anything that even remotely could, somebody could twist and say was be preaching about myself. Because it's not about me. It's about hearing what God wants to do. It's about hearing what God wants to do in us. And if we're not people who are willing to hear, then what we do is we become people who have itching ears because we hear what we want to hear and we reject what we don't. And the failure in people's lives is not doing the word or the work of God. It's when they reject it because God does not lead us to failure. That doesn't mean everything, we'll, everything we do will end exactly the way we want to, but it will not culminate in failure. God does not lead us to failure. He leads us to victory. Sometimes that victory is being crucified. Sometimes that victory is being martyred. Sometimes that victory is not making it 70 or 80 years or 120 years or whatever, you want, whatever number you want to come up with. Sometimes that victory isn't that. Sometimes that victory is only realized on that side. But God always leads us to victory. You, nobody looks at the Apostle Paul and say, well, he wasn't victorious. And he was, he, and he was crucified, as were many of the others. Nobody looks at the, the martyrs and say, well, they weren't, they weren't victorious. They, they, it didn't work out for them. No, because if they, were, if they were martyred for the Lord, it worked out exactly the way it needed to be. Amen? Amen? Praise the Lord. And so as we go at this life, we have to keep balance, and we have to be the ones that keep ourselves balanced. Understanding that we need to hear the truth, no matter who we are, no matter where we come from, God has not exempted anyone from that. God has not exempted me from that. I have to, though I feed people, I have to feed continually and constantly. And sometimes the things I feed on, I don't specifically feed to you. In fact, I was re I've been reading a book a lot this week that I haven't preached anything about, and I don't see preaching it in the near future. But God speaks to me while I do that. And I don't just mean feeding through that. There's other ways to feed as well. Listen to ministers. I have to listen to sermons. I have to put things in me, and I have to filter things. And we have to learn how to filter things, rightfully filter things. And rightfully filtering doesn't mean reject everything and throw everything out and being and looking at each other with, with eyes of like, oh, I, I don't know if I can trust you. 
You know you can trust people if you know you can trust them. And if you know you can't, then you have decisions to make. But those decisions are decisions that you need to make. Amen? Each one of us has to make those decisions. What is God doing? I'm not in a place, rarely in a place, that I would choose to be. But I'm in the place that I know that God has me. And I don't stand in that place because it's comfortable or because it's always right or because it's easy or because I want to be there or because it, it, it pays out to be there. In fact, it does just the opposite. Sometimes the place God has you will do just the opposite. But this is one thing they'll be sure is you don't just sit there not doing anything. You produce for the kingdom of God. And one thing that I know is that I minister to God's people. And I minister the truth the best that I know how, the best that I can. And because I know that, I know there's an effectiveness. And of course, I see it in the lives of people as well. But there's a time, the Bible says, and Paul warned Timothy of this. And I think it's amazing that Paul had the foresight by the Holy Spirit to warn of something that we would see in our day. In fact, everything that they do, these pseudo-Christian cults, everything they do, it's warned about in Scripture. And yet people just blind eye to it. But... There's things we do in the church that it warns about in Scripture. And this is exactly what this is doing. For the time will come when they, the people, will not endure sound doctrine. Sound doctrine, a sound mind. I love that God has given us a, given us a sound mind. You know, recently I gave the example because of the stuff that I dealt with. Uh, a neurologist wanted to put me on a certain kind of medication. And I went on this medication and it about flipped me out. I spent one day really, really bad. You didn't, unfortunately, or fortunately, you didn't have to know that because it was in, in the middle of the week when I wasn't preaching. And it took me several days to recover from it, but we got off of it in, I got off of it instantly. But it scared me. And I'll tell you why that it scared me. Because for a moment in time, I went backwards. See, I lived without a sound mind. I lived in a place where I didn't, I, I didn't have control of my thoughts, where, 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 where I would break down, where I, I lived in that place before, unstable. And for a brief moment, for one day, I went to that place again. And it scared me so bad, I was like, I told the doctor, I said, I will never take a medicine that alters my mind or that affects my mind in that way. Now, this is, I'm talking about me. There's some people that have to take medicines for different things. I am not telling you to do that. But I realized for me, because I couldn't go back to that state. I wouldn't go back to that state. Amen? And it was just to control these, you know, these, these, these migraines. It wasn't because I'm crazy or anything like that. You know, it's like, and I've been there. I've been crazy. Let me tell you, I've been there. I know what it's like. So I feel like I can speak from a place of, uh, 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 of being okay with saying that. Because I was legit out of my mind at a certain time in my life. Right? But God has, has brought me out of that. He's brought me into a place of being able to be effective and, and, and to be able to help people. Amen? And that's what he does with all of us or what he wants to do with all of us. But if we won't hold on to a sound mind, if we won't endure sound doctrine, uh, but we want to have our ears tickled, we want to hear what we want to hear. <coughs> Amen? Yeah. Praise God. Hallelujah. We need to be careful of those things because yeah. we reject the truth. If you are, uh, uh, how, how do you know you're right? Uh, Proverbs 1.5, let's pull it up here. If you are in a place because you want this, a wise man will hear and increase in learning, and a man of understanding will acquire wise counsel. If that's why you're there, you're in for the right reasons, right? 
a man of understanding will acquire wise counsel. This is what I commonly refer to as submission. What is wise counsel? What is submission? I submit to my wife because I take something to her and I say, honey, you're smarter than this on me. You're smarter on this than me or than I. And I want to, did I say that right? Uh, I want, uh, the me, the me that was right. I, I'm just, see, I'm just trying to get correct, but you know, we'll get there one day. Uh, but I, you're, you're smarter than this to me, but I, 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 so I want your opinion on this. I want your counsel. Or my wife will come to me and she says, what do you think about this? There's this issue with this. And because she knows me and knows me in certain areas, she knows that I'm good at this or good at that or I'll know something about this. That's submission. See, submission isn't a bad thing. Submission is a wise thing. In fact, I will put before you right now, and I'm going to tell you this truthfully, if you don't submit anything to anybody, you are deceiving yourself. You are living in deception. Because we need to, we need to get wise counsel when we're making decisions because God has set it up to be that way. Amen? Praise the Lord. A wise man will hear and increase in learning. And a man of understanding will acquire wise counsel. How we approach the word of God matters. When the word is ministered, how we listen to it matters. It's not just that I... Yeah, my wife and I have sat in services that were utterly garbage. Utterly garbage. And God has spoken to us in those services. You know why? Because our hearts were to hear. See, all you need to know is where you need to be and be willing to hear and now I'm not making, I am not advocating sitting in a place that teaches nothing but utter garbage. But we've been in, found ourselves in situations before by default that we were in a place of utter garbage. I think if you're in a place and all you get is utter garbage, you probably need to be in a different place. Unless God has a reason and he would probably reveal the reason why he's got you there, right? Or you can ask him, yeah, exactly. Uh, but how, when the word is ministered, how we listen absolutely matters. And this is one thing that I've seen. I've seen, and I've seen this first in myself. So let me just say that. I'm picking on me. But I've sat in a service, and I've heard something preach, and I said, amen. Because that was for somebody else, and I knew it. That's a wrong heart. That's not ears to hear. Because he didn't just say that for somebody else. Or she didn't just say that, whatever for somebody else. When the word is preached, it's preached for me. See, God can speak to you through the word even if the word is... Uh, I can't tell you how many times I've sat in a service and God has prepared sermons in me while I've sat there. Yes, absolutely. Why? Because God will speak to your heart during the sermon. But, but, but see, there's, there's so many times where we, we, we hear something that's, that's toe-stepping and we're like, oh yes, that's good for someone else. That's good for someone else to hear, but, what's that? Yeah, half the time you know who you're talking about, right? But see, that's a devil distraction to get you thinking about somebody else when you really need to hear it for yourself. We have to learn to discern. When we hear the word, we have to learn to discern, Lord, what are you saying to me? Like, like, you don't need to know what God is saying to someone else. It doesn't really matter unless afterwards you come together and like, hey, this is what I got out of this. You know, that's great. But, you, you know, for us to sit there and say, God, God, isn't, God isn't delivering a message for you to amen 
the failures of someone else. Right? He's delivering you a message for you to hear. Right? So how does this apply to me? I can't tell you how many sermons I've stepped, sat in where the preacher is just stomping on my toes. And I'm like, and just saying stuff, and I'm listening to it, and I'm like, ouch, 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 that applies to me. Or sometimes it's just, does that apply to me? Does it? I mean, really, I want to know, is this God? Are you speaking to me? And there's been plenty of times where, I mean, I've heard prophecies before where they're basically prophesying destruction, and I'm thinking, oh, God, here it comes. There's balance in these things as well. Amen? But is God speaking to me? If we won't even ask that question, if we won't even consider, is God trying to change something in me? Amen? Oh, praise the Lord. We have to learn to discern. Now, it's completely different if the minister has an agenda. If I stand up here and I know you're a screw-up and everything I'm preaching is about your screw-up and you know it and everybody else knows it, it's probably not, that's probably not God. I'll just be honest with you. In fact, one of the things, you know, I, I, I try very diligently not to do is, like, in fact, if I know your stuff, I'll, I'll just, can I tell you something right now? If I, typically, if I know your stuff, like stuff, and you maybe not even know that I know your stuff, but maybe I found out somehow or something like that because people like to talk, you know. And so, like, if I know your stuff, typically, I will stay right away from this situation. I, I, won't even, I won't even talk about it. There are things I stop preaching on because I know that people that sat before me are dealing with it, and I, don't, I will, will not be accused of preaching to tear them down. Now, listen, if somebody's open for counsel, if they want to know that, certainly I would help them. But you, you learn that over time. You, hear, you learn people that you can speak things to and people you can't. And so it's a difficult thing. It's a process of learning. But, but I'm, I'm not le- looking at tearing people down. So if a minister has an agenda, I'm not saying I never have. There has been times where I've had an agenda when I got into the pulpit and I preached something that I shouldn't have preached because I spoke my agenda and God has corrected me for it. I've repented for it many times in services. Amen? Praise God. So if the uh, minister has an agenda, that's completely separate. But we have to learn to discern. Turn with me to 2 Corinthians. I just have a way of not finishing sermons, don't I? Second Corinthians, uh, chapter 4, verse 7. We'll read through verse 11. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels, so that the surpassing greatness of the power will be of God and not, of our, not from ourselves. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed, perplexed, but not despairing, Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. Always carrying about in the body the dying of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our body. For we who live are constantly being delivered over to death for Jesus' sake, so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our mortal flesh. Suffering teaches us to empty ourselves. The failure of our plans are, are, are quite a good thing if we receive instruction. See, we can have all kinds of plans, and we look at them as failing, failures if they don't work out or something like that, and that gets us down and it gets us all distracted and, you know, we get all upset by it. But 
you don't understand that the Bible tells us that we're constantly being delivered over to death. Now, that can be many things, but one of the things that that includes is, is death of our will. Death of our own desire. Death of what we have concocted in our mind that has to be. It's, it's, it's laying down that thing for the, great, for, for the greater good, which is what God wants us to do. Amen? So suffering teaches us to be empty of ourselves. And yet we look at suffering the way people always... We look at suffering the way the world... Just be honest. We look at suffering the way the world looks at suffering. We look at suffering like we don't want it, because we don't. And we don't learn from it, like they don't. And I see Christians that continually get themselves into a, a, a cycle of, of, of trauma or trouble because they won't look at it correctly. They just keep looking at it the same old way. If something is not working over and over and over and over, it's not God. And you need to learn of the voices that speak into your life. When, when there's voices that speak into your life and they lead you astray and you keep following them, you're no different than Eve in the garden being deceived or Adam being deceived in the garden. They're hearing the voice of the enemy. They're hearing the voice of destruction, the accuser. They're hearing the, the, op, the, the opposer, the one who's coming against. And yet you don't recognize that because it doesn't fit your narrative. It doesn't fit what you want. And these are things that we have to be careful of if we want to be effective in this, in this walk with God. What is it, and you know, I've said this, I, I, this is kind of one of my catchphrases. I've said this probably, you know, a, at least a billion times since I started preaching. It's not what you do right that keeps you from moving forward. It's what you do wrong. It's the things that you do wrong that hinder you. It's not the things you're doing right. You're, when you're doing right before the Lord, it will not hinder you. I'm not saying there won't be hindrances, but there's a big difference. The problem is, is we get so much so confused because we're all over the place that we don't know what's a hindrance of the devil and what's a hindrance of our flesh. And the reason we don't know is because the hindrances in the flesh we're not willing to look at. What is stopping me from going forward in the things of God? Recognize what it is. Hear what the word is saying to you. Hear what the truth is being said to you and internalize that. Then recognize what is in opposition to that. And when you do that, now you've opened yourself to start hearing from God. But I'm going to tell you, folks, if you won't do that, you are not opening yourselves to be hearing from God. And I will tell you, you are probably not hearing from God. You may be like the blind squirrel that finds a nut once in a while. And think that it's the blessing of God, and perhaps it is to a degree. But it's different than what God has for us. God wants us to do things, and he will cause us to do things that make us uncomfortable. Think about all the things that God has asked us to do. Giving makes you uncomfortable. And, and whatever you want to I mean, not just giving financially, but giving of yourself. Giving of your time. Oh, it hurts. I don't have time to do that. I don't have, these things hurt. Why does God cause us, uh, call us to do it? Makes us uncomfortable. It breaks down the will of the flesh. Actually, that's what fasting is really all about. Yeah. Fasting isn't even about this or that. You know, people make it about all this or that. But true fasting isn't even really about that. I think in, was it in Mayville? I read that in, in Isaiah 58. Read about it. He talks about what true fasting is in there. Mm -hmm. Right? But, it, you, you know, uh, there, there's so many things that, that God has us do that are uncomfortable in the flesh. He calls us to do these things. Yeah. 
calls us to, to, to be faithful. Faithfulness is not when you want to be with somebody. That's joy. That's easy. It's easy to want to be with someone you want to be with. Faithfulness is when you're, when you're with somebody that you don't necessarily want. And I'm not talking about, you understand, you got to be right in these things. You got to be balanced in these things. But faithfulness is when you continue in something, not because it's what you want to do, but because it's right to do it. This is what faithfulness is. And faithfulness, true faithfulness, is not an easy thing to do. If it's easy, it's not true faithfulness. Because it hasn't caused you to, to die to yourself yet. Giving, if it's easy to do, is not true giving. It's not sacrificial giving. Amen. I don't know, I can't tell you how many times in my life that I've been, I've been brought right up to this. And I'm not saying just giving to the church. Give whatever. Giving to people. Giving of your time. Doing those things that are the works of the Lord. They're not easy to do. And if it's just, if it's just a matter of it being easy on our flesh, well, praise the Lord. You know how many times I've heard people say, this is what the Lord led me to do. And why did they say that? Because it was what they wanted. Yeah. It was exactly what they wanted. Oh, God, God, God led me to do this, and it was everything that I ever wanted. And meanwhile, they're sitting there, the saying fat and happy. You know what I mean? There's no trial. There's no, there's no testing of the flesh. There's no, there, why would Jesus tell us to crucify ourselves and then tell us everything you want will always make you happy? Or, or everything that you want, you'll always get. It's not about that. We're, we're called to crucify the flesh for a reason. What is that for us individually? I can't tell you what it is for you. Yeah. But you know. Yeah. You know where it is. Yeah. And if you don't learn, yeah. nobody can tell you. I can't tell you what you need to crucify. Only God can. Yeah. It's not up to me what you crucify in your flesh. And this is something else. What God calls you to crucify, he might not call anyone else to crucify. In fact, your next door neighbor might, be, might not have to crucify it at all. God, it might be the blessing of God, and God said for you to sacrifice it. Yeah. Why? Because it's got you. Wow. Whatever has us. Yeah. But see, if, and this all stems and starts with the hearing. What are we willing to hear? Are we only going to hear what we want to hear? This is why, I mean, quite honestly, there's a lot of people that, that, that just don't last. Because there's a whole section of the population that will never crucify their flesh. And, and I believe that it is a desire of the Lord, I believe with all my heart that it's a desire of the Lord to bring this teaching back into the American church because by and large it's been lost. I don't care what church it's in. God is good. I'm not straying away from that. God wants to bless us. I'm not straying away from that. But God did not create this life so we walked around fat, rich, and happy, and just having everything we want all the time with no trial, no trouble. That's, that, that's, what, the, the, that's what the eternal life is for. Amen? We're being prepared to be, uh, to, to, to be carriers of eternal life. That's what God is doing in us. Amen? Praise God. Oh, and there's so much there. There's so much there, but the time's up, so. Yes, you can share. Yeah. You know we're over time now. So now you get another hour. Oh. <laughs> no, these things were, no, you can stand with me. I can stand. These things, uh, the Lord really just pressed on my heart. See, some things in the word that I just think we need to hear tonight. 
<clears throat> when he brought up Mark 4, 9, and it says, Jesus said, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. I skipped back a few verses, and it says that Jesus was speaking this to a very large crowd. Mm. And what the Lord reminded me of is that narrow is the gate. We know this in Matthew 7, 14. The gate is small, and the way is narrow that leads to life, and there are few that find it. Yeah. The, the Lord was speaking those words to a very large crowd. Think about that. Yeah, yeah. And what the Lord spoke to my heart, and this is what I needed to share, but he qualified it with the scripture. That's why I'm here. But this was a phrase that he put in my heart that I really need, know we need to hear. Otherwise, I wouldn't have interrupted. But that we must be willing to put every desire and our personalities on trial. Amen. And test it against the word and against the truth every single time.